So I asked him, I said, what are, you, what are you talking about full send? He goes, you know, Dad, full send. I'm like, I don't know. He goes, all in, Dad. You're so old. Well, at that moment, yeah, I felt pretty old. But it, it made me realize that he was saying to his friends, bro, go full send. Go all the way. Let's do this. And I'm thinking... I don't know if I'm willing to go full sin when it comes to Jesus Christ because there's some things in areas in my life that I tend to hold back in. <laughs> and I've been thinking on this heavily. I've been thinking about being all in, or if you want to call it full sin, because it requires some things. And I'm like, I don't know if I can add up to what it requires because when it comes to Jesus Christ and being full sin, that means you're willing to go all in as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and, and there's very few areas in life that we go full sin all in. Like when we get married, that's full sin. I remember right before I walked out to say I do on my wedding day, a thousand thoughts went through my mind. Should I turn back now? <laughs> no, I love my wife. It's been great. But at that very moment, it was like, this is full sin. I'm all in. No turning back. We're about to get married. The rest of my life, I'm going to be with this person. Are you sure you're happy? And I'm thinking, and it didn't help that I had my brother Tony staying by me. He was going to do the, the wedding. And I'm like, he, he was saying a lot of stupid things, but like he usually does. And, and, and I was just thinking, yeah, I'm all in. This is what I know that is meant for my life. And this woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. And, and I, when we had kids, I was thinking, man, this is exciting. We decorated the room. We got everything ready. And uh, we were all excited about Christian being born. We were excited about Ellie, too. Was, you know. But no, both of the kids we were so excited. But that first, Christian, it was like, this is really exciting. This is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. You know. And then the day came that Christian was born. And I'm like, we have to take care of a little person for a long time. And if he's not productive, it could be while he's in his 30s, we're still taking care of this kid. Full sin, we're all in. This is life. This is where we're at. They're not like puppies. It's not like a dog. You can't just say, I'm done with it. I didn't realize he would poop this much. I think I'm going to get rid of him. But the reality is, he is my child. She's my child, and it's full sin. I'm all in. But not everything we're like that with. I feel like I was like that when we decided to plant the church, and I talked to different people, and I'm like, you know, they came to me, and we're praying about it. And they're like, man, I'm all in. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. I'm all in. And at that very moment, it's so exciting. But as time goes on, it's like, what have I got myself into? I got to tell you, I've been there. I know. I've been there. You've been there. It's been, the, it's been a part of our lives outside of Jesus Christ, just living life. You have to make a decision. Am I all in? So how is it possible within our human nature to be fully committed to God, to be a true discipleship, or excuse me, a true disciple, not discipleship? How do we accomplish this difficult task? And I've asked myself, am I actually doing that? I wish I had the answer in such a way that sounded easy, but I don't. Because I have to do what the Bible says. I have to tell you what Jesus said, and the answer is extremely difficult. It's not easy. For a matter of fact, it's going to be hard for some of us to accept these requirements. And the sad thing is there's some of us here, even in my own life I've experienced this, that thought, I'm full sin, I'm all in. I'm really a disciple of Jesus Christ. But are you? You say, well, I went through a discipleship program. That doesn't mean you're full sin. doesn't mean you're all in. doesn't mean you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. He says, well, I'm a Christian. That doesn't mean you're all in and you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
And you say, well, I am a church planner. Well, good, I am too. But that doesn't mean we're all in. It doesn't mean we're a disciple of Jesus Christ. A strong devotional lifestyle doesn't mean you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. So what makes us a disciple of Jesus Christ? What are the requirements to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ? And what are we missing? And so I think Jesus answers the question. Well, I know he does. The answer is in two words. And those words are full sin, all in. I'm not going to hold back anything. And here's what Jesus gives us in the word of God when it comes to being all in and holding nothing back. Jesus give us, gives us the requirements in Luke chapter 14 and in, in verse 25 through 35. And so here's the picture. Jesus is on his way, uh, traveling through different cities, teaching as he's journeying toward Jerusalem. In essence, he's literally making his way to the cross. I mean, this is the end, the tail end of his life. 33 and a half years he's lived on earth. He just finished up a Sabbath, the Sabbath day feast, one that he was invited to, ironically, by some Pharisees and some people that were really out to question him and put him in a corner. And so he's finishing this up and um, he goes out to pursue his journey and multitudes of people come alongside and they're following him. And I think this, I, I can't speak for Jesus, but I think he might have been thinking this way. All right, it's about to get real. Hundreds and hundreds of you guys are following me right now, and you really think you're all in. You're really behind me, but let's find out if you really are. Let's, let's put it to the test. And I know Jesus is thinking, I only have a little bit of time, and I am going to be crucified. I am all in for my Father, and I'm going to not back down. So he turns to the people, and he looks at them, and he says, literally, and in, in I'm paraphrasing this in such a way to say, I wonder how far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to follow me? I wonder how many of you really are all in. Because he's thinking, I am. I'm going to the cross. And so we see this account take place in Luke chapter 14 all the way through Luke chapter 17 the, in verse 10. The account is taking place in one day. But I want to draw your attention to what happens in Luke 14 when he, when he addresses the people. He makes a statement that prods the people to make a decision to go all the way. Jesus gives these requirements to the disciples and to the people and says, if you're really going to be one of mine, these are the things you've got to face. So here it is. What is the requirements to be a disciple? And by the way, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, one who is being changed by Jesus Christ and making a, an intentional decision of sanctification each day, committed to the mission of Jesus with no turning back, full send, all the way in. So here's the requirements he gives to the people. And I believe he was really direct because he's like, I want to see how serious you are about following me. And he says, to the multitude of people in verse 25 of chapter 14. And he said unto them, If any man come to me and hate, this is such a strange passage of scripture, and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brother and his sister, yea, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus makes it very clear. If you do not do these three things, you do not make the cut. You cannot be a disciple. You can be a Christian, but you're not a disciple. So here are the three requirements according to God's, the, the writings of Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 14. First requirement. I'm going to make this as sim 
simple and to the point according to what Jesus said. First requirement, choose Christ. Choosing Christ doesn't mean salvation. Choosing Christ means prioritizing God above everything else. So verse 26 is so unusual because he says, you need to hate your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brother, your sister. Yeah, even yourself. Well, that seems odd for him to say. I mean, if Jesus literally meant that, he was then being contrary to his very teachings. I mean, he said to love your neighbor as yourself. So we must love our neighbor and ourselves. He said to love your wife as Christ loved the church. So why would you say this? And here's the reality of it. What Jesus is saying in verse 26, it's an allegory. He's making a comparison. If you, if you are willing to prioritize Jesus above all else in comparison to the love of others, it's going to literally look like hate. I mean, you're going to show so much love toward Jesus Christ, loving God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, everything in you. It almost looks like your love for your children, your love for your wife, your mom, your dad, almost looks like hate. That's how obsessed you are. Because when you choose Christ, you make him the priority. You make him the priority. So this verse is in reference to prioritizing or choosing Christ above everything else in your life. Someone once said, your priorities must be God first, God second, God third, until your life is constantly and continually face-to-face with God. I think Jesus says it best when it comes to choosing him, prioritizing him. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, if you are not hungry for God, then you're probably full of yourself. Something's consuming your heart, soul, and mind. And if you're not hungry for Christ, it's probably because you've not denied yourself and prioritized. Who's at the top of the list in everything you do? Who's on the top shelf? Because choosing Christ, which is a requirement to be a disciple, means you make him the priority. Now, not only that, listen to me, you make him the authority. This is so important, especially in today's day and age. Nobody likes authority. You say, I do. I'm okay with the authority. Let's do a little test here. How many like going the speed limit? Would you raise your hand? Honestly, you love going the speed limit. All right. How many that raised your hand like going to the speed limit, except when you're late? Come on now. Let's be honest, right? Liar, mother. Liar. <laughs> Call my family out. No, you may be one of those special people, but the reality is, in most cases, we're like, I just am not happy at this moment going that speed. I don't care what the government says. How many enjoy paying your taxes? You like that? They're listening to us right now. You better say yes. (laughs) How about when you thought you were going to get something back and you didn't? You you like that? Huh? I just paid over $4,000 in taxes. You think I'm happy? No, I'm not. I don't like the authority that tells me that you need to do A, B, and C. You know why? Because I am flesh, and I like to do things my way. That's why when we get to a certain point in our lives, we're like, i got to get out of this house. I want to run my own life. I want to be able to have my own rules and my own restrictions. You know why? Because authority puts rules and regulations on you, and we don't like that. And so it's funny when I used to hear about people getting out of the house and joining the military because they didn't want restrictions on them. So they joined the military, the Marine Corps. How about that one? You know what? We want to be independent and own our own lives and do it our own way. But when it comes to God, 
If we're going to be a disciple, we choose his authority above all other authority. That doesn't mean we're rebels against the government. You know, Jesus addressed that. We know what it means to honor those that have authority over you. But when it comes to the priorities in your home, Jesus is at the top of the list and his authority is number one. That's why your rules in your home need to be dictated by the authority of God's word, not your assumptions and ideas and the way you were raised, unless it was, unless you were raised according to God's word. But it is always sifting everything in our life by God's word. He is priority. You know, Peter said it this way when he was talking to the other guys and the disciples. He said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Don't get caught up with the opinions, the philosophies, the narratives that the world has. We're going to do it God's way. So you have to set aside your truth. Nobody cares about your truth. <laughs> You've got to set aside your ideas, your opinions, your thoughts, and say if it isn't according to God's word, his authority, then I am not being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because the first requirement is to choose Christ, make him the priority, make him the authority. God's authority trumps man's truth, man's narratives, ideas, cultural mindset, because it is priority. Making God your authority means that you live according to his truth and not your own. I want to sift everything in life according to God's truth and his authority. So if you desire to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, going all the way, full sin, then you choose Christ by making him the priority and the authority. But look at this. Chapter 14, verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The second requirement is bear your cross. Bearing your cross is twofold. It's a daily decision and it's a sacrificial uh, sacrificial. I can't even say it. Sacrificial decision. Edit that, my friend. Sacrificial decision. Here's the thing. I don't like starting over if I already started something. If I started it, I just want to finish it. But Jesus says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said unto them, all, every one of them, get this. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Every day, pick it up. So if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've got to bear your cross and you've got to do it. You've got to make a daily decision to do it. When I was a kid, this is a long time ago, it makes me feel really old. My grandmother, when I was living in Alabama, Nintendo just came out. My grandma bought me, Tony, and Chris, uh, I almost said Christian, but, uh, and, and, and Denny, my other brother, a Nintendo. And I'm like, this is the greatest day of my life. We finally got the Nintendo. And so, if you don't know anything about the original Nintendo, there's not much to it. But I loved it. I even brought it. This is the Nintendo. Yes, isn't it impressive? It's a box. Yeah, and if you want to make sure it works, you take the cartridge before you put it in there and blow it out really good. And Can I get a witness if you know what I'm talking about? Hopefully it's going to work. The problem with the Nintendo was this. Why are you looking at it like that, Kinsey? Respect. Respect. Problem with the Nintendo is this. It had no memory. There's no memory. So if me and Tony are playing a game, we have to make sure we don't unplug or power off the Nintendo. Because if we do, we have to start over again. And so sometimes we would leave it on all night, all week, until it literally felt like it was going to start on fire. 
And then right in the middle of all of that, my dad decides to go through the living room and we have an extension cord and he trips over it, glitches it, and it resets. And I'm like, are you kidding, dad? I will kill you in your sleep. No, I didn't go that far. I was like, dad, everything I worked for, I have to start over. I worked so hard. One of my favorite games was Mega Man. Mega Man came out uh, not too long after. And I love Mega Man because Mega Man was such a challenge. I, and Tony was the best at this, my brother. We would go to the first level, the next level, the third level, and we're like, this is the greatest game that was ever made. But we would have to shut down the Nintendo that night and start over the very next day. You know what the problem was? I already went through level one, level two, level three. I don't want to start over again. I just want to start where I left off. But guess what? I got to get through level one, level two, level three, and level four. And I heard level four is very, very difficult. I, I, I just, I don't even know what to expect. I say all this for a reason. I know it's impressive, isn't it? Picking up your cross every day is the same way. You're like, I don't want to do it. I just went through this stuff yesterday. You know what I had to bear yesterday? Do you want me to pick it up again? I'm going to have to go through level one, level two, level three. And there's probably a new level I haven't even walked through in my life yet. And I heard about it. Some challenges. There's some villains. There's some bad guys that are going to come out of nowhere. I mean, I know how to maneuver through level one, two, and three because I've been there. I've done that. But what's in store for me tomorrow? Bearing my cross. Do I really? Do I really want to do this? Can I handle this? I mean, tomorrow I have to pick up my depression and deal with it, my anxiety, my frustration, my anger. I, yeah, you got to pick it up because picking up the cross means you're going to deal with it. Yeah. So, well, I don't want to. I don't either. I don't want it to either. I don't want to start over and do it again and do it again and do it again. But if we don't, we cannot be a disciple because Jesus said you have to do it daily. Whether you want to or not, you must pick up your cross each day and start over. This means that the fight begins every single morning. Maybe you don't want to pick it up because you're afraid you're going to drop it. Like I can only go so far and I'm not going to be able to do it. You drop it, you pick it up again. You say, well, nobody else has dropped it. Jesus himself dropped his cross. And Simon helped him pick it back up. You say, well, are you, you're, you're, you're degrading the authority of God. Son, no, I'm not. I'm just saying that in life, we are not going to have a good track record at times. And you're going to beat yourself up and beat yourself up and beat yourself up. And you're like, I can't do this. And then you create all these ideas why you can't do it. And then you don't pick up your cross the next morning because you quit. You can't be a disciple if you're a quitter. You're not a quitter. We finish what we started. God called you to be a disciple, not just a Christian. Finish it. Pick up your stinking cross and go again. That's a great quote. Pick up your stinking cross. But you don't just do that daily. It's not just a daily decision. It's a sacrificial decision. The cross represented death. If somebody was carrying a cross, that was a dead man walking. His life is coming to an end. And it's not by chance. At this time in Jesus' life, he uses the example of the cross to illustrate the importance of being a disciple by bearing the cross. Nobody knew he was going to die on a cross. Jesus, in his foreknowledge, he knew he was going to die on a cross. Not even his disciples fully understood that he was going to die on a cross. Are you all following me? So it's not by chance that Jesus said, hey, this may sound weird. But you 
bear your cross. Your cross. You know why he said that? Because I'm about to do it for you. And that's my cross. And it's a physical cross that's going to change the whole world. The least you can do is pick up your own cross and follow me. And they're thinking, why in the world would you use the word cross? And it starts to click, just like when he uses parables. Because he wants them to think, wait a second. It's going to cost me something to do this. It's going to be a sacrifice to follow Jesus Christ. Am I willing to make this sacrificial daily decision? The cross we bear is a symbol of sacrifice, a living sacrifice, as the Bible says. We bear it, and it, its representation is showing that we choose Christ above self. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. This is my daily decision. Crucify, sacrifice self. We choose to sacrifice for the will of God, just like Jesus did. When Jesus was in the garden, this beautiful statement he said to his father, is so intimate, so personal. Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. He said to his father, if, it be thy, if, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. This is, this is the 100% man and 100% God speaking to all God. And the, and the man's side said, if it's possible, if there's another way, remove this cup of death from me. But then he finishes, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. You make a daily decision, and it is a sacrificial decision to bear your cross. Jesus made a sacrificial decision to be our substitute on the cross. We now are a living sacrifice and we make the decision every single day. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. And man, I'm going to tell you all something that is so hard because I love making it about me. I do. I really do. I love just doing my thing, my way, and just relaxing and in, indulging in that. But it doesn't work that way with Jesus Christ. Look, look at this last one. Third requirement, follow Christ. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I, I don't know. If he, maybe it's so old school most people haven't played it. But when, when I was a kid, we played follow the leader. And we were in Alabama because I grew up in Somerville, Alabama. We bought this property. It was five acres of land. We literally, like the joke you might be a redneck if you mow your lawn and you find a car. We mowed our lawn and we found car after car and three buses on five acres of land. Literally, I'm not kidding you. The guy was a mechanic, so that kind of plays into it a little bit, backyard mechanic, so he just left these cars. So me and Tony decided we're going to play uh, follow leader. And so Tony's a horrible leader to follow in the game. I mean, he's a great passer, great. But in this game, he took us in the most ridiculous direction possible. And the goal was, how far can you go without stopping? Will you go all the way? So we, we'd go through the woods, and there's this little spot that was like a swampy area, and he, we had to cross the logs without falling in. And then we decided to go on top of the breadneck bus that was in our backyard, went all the way across the school bus, slid down the front, and there was one of those big lights that was all jagged, and I slid down, and I wasn't paying attention, and just slipped me open right on my stomach. And I'm like, I'm done, man. I'm not following you anymore. You're a horrible leader. You took us in all the worst locations. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, I want to make this clear. Following his lead is not easy. Following his lead can be difficult. 
But he will take you in places you've never been before and you'll never forget and you'll love it. I want to go to Israel in March. I've been invited to go to the Holy Lands. I've never been out of the country in my entire life. I think it was 35 the first time I ever flew on a plane. I'm just, you know, <laughs> not very active. But I want to stand on the very porcel of ground where Jesus stood. I, I want to go to Mount Calvary. I want to see it. You know why? I want to experience this journey because I think it's going to change my life. You know what's going to change your life? Journeying with Jesus Christ every day and following Him. Because He's going to take you down paths. You're like, I don't, I don't know about this. And you've got to follow the leader because He's not Tony. And you've got to just wait and see what's in store because it's going to be amazing. Because following Christ is one of the most amazing experiences you'll ever have. But there's two things about it. Don't look back and don't hold back. If you are going to follow Christ, you can't look back back. I, I, I finalize this with Paul's writings in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Looking back prevents you from pressing forward. We look back on how we failed and we're like, there's no way I can do this. I mean, I want to be a full, I want to be a full sin, but I can't do this because I've messed up in this area already. Y'all follow me? I made a decision. Y'all ever made a promise to God? God, I promise you will never do this again. Careful, because you probably will. Yeah. You say, well, I'm going to be sexually pure until I see Jesus face to face or I meet my beautiful bride or my groom. I hope. Stay strong. But you could drop that cross. But if you have dropped the cross, you can't keep on looking back at that failure and saying, I can't, I can't do this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Hey, listen, I know you can't tell when you look at this body, but I've been on diets before. I know this is perfection right now. But I've, I've been on diets, and I'm like, I'm going to follow through. And I actually followed through. I mean, literally followed through. I only have one period of time in my life that I always reflect back on, and I tell everybody about. I did P90X for six months straight. I lost, I think it was like 40, 50, 60 pounds. I'll just keep on adding. And, and it was amazing. And it really was. I, I, couldn't even do, I couldn't even do one pull-up. And I, and I spent like literally two hours setting up my pull-up bar because I had to put it in the, uh, the block and everything. And then I got up there and I was ready to go. And I'm like, oh, I can't even do one pull-up. And I did all this. I did all this? Huh. And then finally got up to 25. And I'm like, I got this. And, I'm, and I was like curling 10 times each arm, 55 pounds. I'm like, I'm at the top of my game and I ain't ever coming down. Well, I did. And my weight went up and I came down. And my zeal and my passion, well, it went away. But I've been on diets since then. Sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not. Life as a Christian is not a diet. I know. But you better realize this. You're going to have your ups and your downs. But this journey is going to lead you through valleys and they're easy. But when you start trying to climb to the mountaintop, it's not going to be easy to get there. But when you get there, it gets better. It's ups and downs. But just because you failed then doesn't mean you're going to fail in the future. Don't let the past prevent your future from being successful. Because if you do, you can't press forward. Don't look back. Don't look back. Jesus said it this way. He said, no man having put in his hands to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. And just before that, he was given an example of all these people that were using excuses. They're like, I just got married. 
I can't follow you. Jesus said, follow me. I just bought some, some land. I have to take care of this. One excuse after the other. And I feel like in our lives, we're like, I can't move forward and follow you because I've got this, this, and this to do. You're like, it's limiting me. Quit making excuses. He said, if you're going to grab the plow and move forward, you can't do it successfully by looking back. And the reason he uses the plow is this reason. Because they're plowing lines. And the lines need to be straight. In your life, it needs to be straight, forward, clear. And you need to make sure you're pressing forward. And then the last one, I love this. And the requirement following Christ, don't look back, but don't hold back. I mean, Paul said this in the same passage of Scripture, Philippians chapter 3. Verse 13 and 14, reaching forth unto those things which are before. I'm reaching. I'm striving. I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, I would use this as an example, but it's still true today in my life. Not just when I was a kid. When I was little, somebody was tall, hold something up here, and I'd stretch. And they're like, you can do it. And I'm like, yeah. They still, I, I still have that problem today. I'm like, you can do it. I'm like, Come on, guys, quit. Stephen, please just give it back to me. You know, that moment of you're stretching, I want it so bad. And Paul says this, if you're going to follow Christ, if you're really serious about that, don't look back, but don't hold back. Stretch. What are you stretching for? You want to get as close to Jesus Christ as you can. You say, well, I'll never be like him. Nobody said you had to be like him. You just need to get close to him. Press, reach. Why? Because that is part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Don't hold back. Reaching forth is to stretch and reach for the distance. I'm going to go all the way. In other words, you're not quitting. Not giving up. You're not stopping. You're reaching until you get it. What are we reaching for? It's Jesus Christ in our relationship with Him. I said that, but the most important thing to understand is you're striving to be more like Christ in your actions. Focus if you can, if you're tired, because it's very hot in here, I understand. But stay awake and alert for just a minute. Luke chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus continues his writings in his, in his, in his discussion, if you would, with these people. And he begins to explain to them. He said, no man's going to build a tower without counting the cost. He said, now what happens is, if you don't count the cost, you'll... You'll lay a foundation and you won't finish the job. And then people will mock you and make fun of you because you didn't know what you were doing. You didn't realize what you were getting yourself into. And basically, he flips the script and says, it's the same with me. You better count the cost if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Don't start if you're not willing to go full send. So likewise, he said, the same goes for you. He said, you have to forsake all in order to be my disciple. He said, you have to be willing to count the cost. I want to go all the way for Jesus Christ because I believe this is almost over. We're almost done, guys. I don't know where you're at with your life, but if you ain't got serious about Jesus Christ, you better get serious now. You better be all in because it's almost over. So, well, we, I was part of the team that planted this church. Yes, I understand. But full send means we keep going, right? You say, you know, I, I have a ministry that I want to start and begin. Count the cost. Make sure you're right with God. Make sure you're pressing toward the mark. Go all in. Are we willing to go all in? It doesn't matter if you're a teenager, 
It doesn't matter if you're a young adult, if you're older, wherever you are, whatever state you're in in life, you've got to make a decision before Jesus Christ comes back to full send to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to have them come and we sing in just a minute. The question is simple. As he begins to play, my question is this. Are you all in? Let's make this applicable. I want to ask you this question. You ready? Here's the first question. What's holding you back from going all in? Here it is again. What's holding you back from going all in? Say, well, that's a simple question. I can identify it. Okay, the second part of this is going to be a little bit more difficult. You say, I know what it is. I know what's holding me back from going all in. Now the question is, can you remove that obstacle that's preventing you from going all in? Say, I choose Christ. Do you choose Christ? Okay, then you got to make sure nothing gets in the way of that. He becomes the priority. If he's not the priority, what is getting in the way? So nothing, I'm all in, I'm going to do this, I'm not holding back, there's no doubt in my mind, I'm moving forward. Here's the thing, are you making him your authority? Or are you allowed something else to be the authority of your life? Is everything in your life centered on Jesus Christ? Are you listening to me? This is so important because this is part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you bearing your cross? Are you making a daily decision no matter how hard it is, no how much it is, is it frustrating and difficult? Are you willing to pick up your cross every single day and make sacrifices? Get over yourself. One of the biggest sacrifices you have to do is get over yourself. Denying self means I'm going to be humble enough to say it's not about me. It's whatever God wants. Oh, this is uncomfortable. I want to do that. Well, get over yourself. It's okay. You can do this. Jesus made a lot of decisions to make a big difference. And we know he changed the world. Follow Christ. Don't look back. Don't hold back. I'm going to ask you this question before we sing. What do you keep on looking back at? Listen to me. I was such a fanatic about having a great track record. I was determined at one point in my life when I turned 30, I'm going to hit 33 and a half years old, the time that Jesus died, that period of that, that age he was, and I want my life to look like this. I know that seems weird to you. Maybe it does. I had a goal. Did I reach that goal? No. When I turned 40, I looked back and said, if I couldn't do it then, how am I going to do it now? What do you keep on looking back at that's stopping you from going all the way. Stop worrying about your past. It's the past. You say, well, I messed up in this area. Okay, okay. Come on now. Press toward the mark. Leave it behind, leave it behind, leave it behind. Not only that, don't look back, but I told you a minute ago, it's important not to hold back. Don't let anything or anybody hold you back from going all the way for God. So, well, I've got a lot of things going on in my life that are holding me back. Well, it's your life. You make the decision. So right now, where we're at, you've been given the question. Now you have to take action. Will you do that with me?